Liberty on the Line, our podcast where we discuss all sorts of ramblings from telecoms, technology, the world of PR, and in some cases, many cases, business in general. Today's podcast takes a telecom spin um, as next week sees much of the telecoms world descend on Barcelona for Mobile World Congress. So we're lucky to have with us today some Mobile World Congress experts to tell us more about what they expect to see this year and to share some tips for the show. So we've got Scott Bocceno, editor at telecoms.com. We've got Charlotte Patrick, who's an independent analyst specialising in telecoms. And Re Rob Pegararo, who's a freelance journalist who writes for Fast Company, PC Mag, Wirecutter and others. So I wanted to kick off, really, um, Scott, maybe you could kick us off by um, telling us what you expect to see at the show this year. What can we expect to see at Mobile World Congress 2023? Well, one of the first things I'm trying to get my head around is they've moved the media centre and, and they've stuck it at the end of full three or something. So I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I'm going to have to see what it's like when I get there. But more broadly, less naval gazing. Um, it's going to be close. They reckon about 80,000 people. And I think at its peak, it was not much over 100, was it? Um, so it's going to be close to its pre-pandemic size. Um, and yeah, I'm... I quite like it when it's a bit smaller. I quite like it when there's less people to get out of the way of when you're trying to get from one thing to another. Um, but then again, it's good to have it back in, in whatever form. Um, yeah, I've got I've got some thoughts about the kind of things we were talking about, but I think I'll leave it at that for now because I've got a feeling you're going to sort of go further in that direction. So I'll hand over to someone else. Charlotte, what about you? Yeah, so my speciality is analytics, AI and automation. So I'm looking for things that, that might look like they have some machine learning in them this year. Uh, last year, the, I saw the very first digital twins being shown. And um, so I'm expecting and hoping to see more of that on the network side. And then also I'm interested in um, the use of data out of the OSS and the network um, for uh, sort of external use cases for telcos. So how could they use that data either in sort of automations or to create new products? Um, I had some sort of one-on-one -on -one conversations last year about it, and I'm hoping to see some examples and some little demos of that sort of thing, I think. Mm, hopefully you won't be disappointed. Uh, what do you think, Rob? What are you looking so for? So I often describe MWC to, to non-technical types as the smartphone show, but actually I'm not expecting a whole lot of news about smartphones, much more about what other things are people doing with 5G, whether it's fixed wireless access to homes, which in the United States has become a huge chunk of the broadband market, rapidly growing, stealing lots of customers away from formerly entrenched local cable monopolies, um, you know, industrial IoT, uh, smart cities infrastructure, all sorts of things that don't involve, you know, your, your little rectangle of plastic and glass you hold to your head sometimes to talk to people. Great. What about um, the themes then? Back to you, Scott. So, Rob mentioned 5G as a theme. Are you are you going to? Yeah. Say that, do you think? I mean, yeah, definitely. Um, I concur with everything that Rob said, and it's interesting actually to have that US perspective on how big fixed wireless access is over there, because I hadn't necessarily fully understood the scale of it. So that's really interesting to know. 
Um, and for people listening to this who don't know the significance of it, it's basically using 5G and, and the and the greater bandwidth that offers to replace um, formerly cable or fiber or or copper or whatever. Um, and the states obviously a lot bigger in the UK, so they'll have a lot more remote places where I presume that comes in really handy. I mean, that sort of plays into what I think is the the overarching theme editorially I'm going to be looking out for at the show, which is monetizing 5G. We've had we've had God, it feels like a decade of 5G hype. And then the start of 5G and all that sort of thing. And now we're at 2023. We're about three or four years into the 5G cycle. Is anyone making any cash out of it is, is the big question. And, and if so, how and how can they make more? We're constantly sort of hearing from operators about how tough times are for them and how they struggle to make any profit. And they've got to constantly be flogging their HQs or whatever just to pay the bills. Um, so, yeah. How do you make money out of 5G? Because I don't think that question's been satisfactorily answered as far as I'm concerned. And what about 6G? Do you think there's going to be a lot of talk around 6G? Uh, I, I assume you're sticking with me for now, but I'll, I'll happily hand it over to the other two after this. Um, it will come up. Um, I think journalistically, it's interesting just in a very early in the cycle speculative way. Um, I think to some degree, the more 6G comes up, the more of an indictment that is of 5G, isn't it? <laughs> people are already looking past that and on to the next thing um so um i think it will come up but again the question will be what's it for yeah no one even no one even knows what 5g is for it's not enhanced mobile broadband we're, we're all we're all good for that i mean yeah I, I take the point about fixed wireless access but that by itself isn't enough so if we don't know what 5g is for it's going to be a struggle working out what 6g is for you can also put me in the 6G skeptic category. I attended a two-day symposium on this in Washington, D.C. last fall. And the biggest strike against it is we've already seen how badly millimeter wave scales for providing, you know, open-air coverage for just regular phones, even for fixed wireless. For 6G, some of the frequencies they're talking about are, are above sub-6, but still sort of manageable. But people are also seriously thinking you can do something with 110 to 170 gigahertz, which millimeter wave is down at you know 28 or so, and that's difficult enough where I think most carriers have accepted, even Verizon has backed off on that, that that is not the foundation of a, a mass market product. What are you going to do with frequencies that feeble? I don't understand. And the use cases people brought up at this two-day event were, were things, I'm sorry, the metaverse, which, speaking of things that I don't know if there's any proven consumer demand for, I would put the metaverse high on that list. Oh, you're also cynical. I, I am <laughs> surely 5G is for remote surgery. I think you'll find that is the case, uh, or, or indeed having somebody having my fridge speak to me. So it's either one of those two. I know that that's the case. Um, six G for me. Um, um, I have been because because I um have some a little speciality starting to kind of grow some stuff there, um, and so people said we're all going to publish a white paper, and I'm like, oh please no. I have been going through as many white papers as I can face. Each one of them is forty to seventy pages. They mostly say the same sorts of things, and um I just you know um it tends to be a wish list of what people uh, think might be a good idea because that's what they want to promote into the standards um, and um, I'm creating a doability myself and Dean Bubbly if anybody knows Dean are working yeah. on 
and he is so cynical and he he I, I he does the cynicism i do the spreadsheets and um we are and i'm just creating this spreadsheet of everything that's come up that could be and we're categorizing them into doability and and you know and feasibility and usability are they of any use so um um it'd be interesting yeah. there's a few things that tend to come up a little bit higher i would say having done this exercise before um things like precision of location you could just about see that being but then the question as uh, say the question is you know exactly exactly how soon will the technology be ready how doable is it um so it, it's a really complicated complicated matrix yeah just to um quickly uh um respond to that um we thought uh elena's been on just to plug my own podcast elena's <laughs> been on the telecoms.com podcast a couple of times and we're recording one tomorrow so this is being recorded on wednesday recording on thursday before more congress and i thought who better to get on than dean bubbly who is highly skeptical about the whole event. So yeah, we're gonna... to go. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Well, um, although I think he's been caught out. I think he's been once or twice on the slide. But um, but that should be a fun podcast because I'm gonna I'll probably be end up in the position of defending it. Um, but uh, yeah, I agree with, with everything everyone said there. It, it's sort of use cases, monetization. You know, the thing about what I thought is interesting what you said about some of these white papers, Charlotte, that you've been looking at, where where we've got these wish lists. I get the impression with 5G that one of, near the top of the wish list was this um, low latency capability that's, that's relatively unique or, or at least massively increased in 5G. And then the use cases have been chasing it, like robotic surgery, like metaverse, like sentient fridges, like, um, you know, these absurd EE ads with people getting shaved by robots on top of mountains and that sort of thing. And, and I've always felt that 5G has felt a bit like um, a solution in search of a problem a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's why I sort of emphasize the fixed wireless aspect, because that's one thing yeah. 5G has brought capacity and speed that 4G couldn't do. And you know cable companies are nervous when Comcast, the biggest one in the US, bought an ad in the Super Bowl. That's the most expensive 30 seconds of TV you can buy in the United States just to trash talk fixed wireless access. Oh, did they? <laughs> yes. And I don't, it, it wasn't very cheap at either. It might have been cheaper because oh, um, the, the UK well, crypto people gave it up. Sorry, go on. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry, I was just going to say, I was only going to say the UK would love some. I, I live on a hill near Wales and I'm surviving on two uh, mobile broadband LTE and they're just about okay, but I'll bring it on. Uh, fixed wireless access, fantastic. <laughs> Fingers crossed for you. <laughs> Uh, what what about the the public cloud? Obviously, Danielle Royston always has quite a big presence, doesn't she, um, at the show? What, do you think that will be a big theme this year? What about Anyone you? in particular? Uh, I'm I'm happy to speak. Sorry, I just didn't, didn't want to be, always be the first to blurt stuff out. Um, it will definitely be a big theme. Danielle will be there. I don't think she'll. It won't be like um, when we had like half a mobile congress where she opportunistically. Yeah. sort of took a whole haul or something like that um she's that was during covid wasn't it that was the that's just at the tail end of it when we, when we were allowed to leave the house again for the first time yeah um and you know and danielle's cool she's been on that she's been on my podcast and we called her a public cloud cheerleader and she lent into it and actually brought some pom-poms um to show that she's a cheerleader i mean you know she's right and and the cheerleaders in general um to not over personify the public cloud in one person lovely though danielle is um 
they're, they're right in that it's inevitable and it's here to stay and it offers a hell of a lot. But our view, and, and I, I, I can speak for my co-presenter of the pod, um, Ian Morris from Light Reading on this, is just careful how much you hand over to the likes of AWS, Google Cloud and Microsoft Azure, because you know, when, when, you've got every, when you've got your entire business, your entire infrastructure, all your tech housed it in a third party place, they kind of got you, they can hold you to ransom. It's also um, not very easy to switch between them. So it feels like a bit of a Faustian pact. So it will come up, but certainly the editorial angle I'll be taking is, you know, careful, look before you leap, maybe go for some kind of hybrid cloud, build in a bit of redundancy, that sort of thing. You concur on US is a, a good point because every, every now and then in the US, we get an, a reminder of how many services run on AWS when there's an outage and random apps just break. And no one who's not technically versed knows why everyone else you want to say, Alexa, is there an AWS outage? But of course, you would be able to answer. <laughs> so true. And Charlotte, do you do you agree? What about the public cloud for you? Yeah, I, I don't I don't get too involved in the debate. Um, uh, for me, doing data and things, it's like taking your data, which is the only the only thing you have, which is you know your own, and and handing it into somewhere else. Um, don't know. I don't know. I it, it's maybe fine. I but I always feel a little bit little bit cautious about the idea of you know putting all of your most important assets into somebody else's data center. <laughs> Good point. And and so what about the kind of wider issues that are happening in the world um, at the moment and that and that impact on on the show? So, you know, things like the current economic situation, the cost of living. Do you think that will be a theme that people will be discussing at, at the show and will that have an impact on things like stand builds and, and what we see in terms of what the what people are announcing at the show? I've seen I've seen the odd I've had the odd client um, and other other parties um, um, saying listen our budgets are reduced this year don't know exactly what that will mean for MWC but certainly it's been it's been around in in my sphere of analytics and so on. And the same with you, Rob. So the the storyline I'll sort of be interested in last year Russia had just invaded Ukraine and I remember being struck seeing a sign on the wall that had been hurriedly covered up, uh, something like M MWC Eurasia, and somebody mm. had taped over Moscow. <laughs> like, well, when you make yourself a pariah state, you don't get to have nice telecom things anymore. Uh, and certainly since then, China, there, there's a lot of, even before the, the notorious spy balloon, <laughs> yes. there, there's been a lot of emphasis, uh, certainly in American, and I think in, in European politics as well, to sort of, you know, we were talking two minutes ago about over-reliance on the public cloud. Here we have over-reliance on an entire country where so many of the gadgets we use are made, uh, so many of the network components. You know, right now, you know, the political decisions have been made in the US that we can't have Huawei network gear. So we've budgeted money, apparently a fourth of what we actually needed to get rid of it at various carriers. Some of whom were told, go with the cheap option. We need you to connect these, these people. This company's stuff is as good as anyone else's and it's a lot cheaper, go ahead. Now we're telling them, no, get rid of it, put something else in. Uh, and so there's the question of how do you make that network replacement some sort of a network upgrade as well? It's way above my pay grade how that's going to happen. Yeah, that, the, um, the geopolitical stuff's interesting. 
as we said, uh, there's there's Russia and there's China. Um, my biggest concern, I mean, I generally feel with China that, I mean, America will argue otherwise, but it feels like the aggressor in the current um, dynamic. It's the one that that's had a go at Huawei, and, and it's and and that's kind of metastasized towards anything Chinese a lot of the time. There's this ban on getting access to to chip fab equipment and all that sort of thing. Now, again, it's it's above my pay grade what the strategic element of it is, but I just hope they sort it out sooner or later. If if all they're doing is trying to sort of realign the world and get China to get back in its box a little bit and mind its manners. I just hope that process resolves itself because as you know, we're talking about 5G and 6G as that goes on, there is a danger of there being a sort of global schism, a sort of bifurcation, where if China's not allowed to play with any of America's toys, well, it's going to go off and do its own thing, isn't it? And it's not like China doesn't have a considerable sphere of influence itself. So we might end up splitting the world um, down the middle, probably coincidentally around a line of latitude of Ukraine. Um, and and I don't think that will benefit anyone. So that's a concern. And just one other thing in terms of like general sort of current affairs stuff. My uh, my co-host Ian from Light Reading wrote an amusing piece earlier on this week about um, all the eco virtue signalling going being done by companies that are all flying in thousands of people, some by private jet, to Barcelona to tell everyone how much they care about the planet. I mean, I think we all know that. A lot of this stuff and that's and this goes in my opinion for for general esg is just the most crude superficial corporate virtue signaling but that does seem to be the way of things and i think there's just going to be more and more of it and, and i hope there is because it gives me something to write rc stories about <laughs> fingers crossed <laughs> in in terms of then changes from from last year what what do you think uh will be different uh this year than last year you obviously went last year scott anything that you think will be different not really a little bit busier um a little bit more like it was the aforementioned i mean if they've moved the media center what else have they moved i suppose is a question yeah. but um no i mean it's i've been going now for about a decade um even when it was in the old fera um and it's it's just more or less the same just tons of walking about tons of stands that you don't really ever visit um and, and everyone's got their own agenda i'm just gonna be shooting lots of commercial video um my colleagues are going to be trying to uh, interview one of the a few of the thousands of people there so it's just lots of people running around trying to extract what value they can from it but i don't expect a massive change from last year and the same with you charlotte do you think the oh. same yeah, I mean, I, I, in terms of what I'm going to be looking for, um, I want to see some the beginning of discussions on what generative AI means for telco. I, I've written it all out of what I think, but I'm not sure if I'm right. So that's going to be interesting for me. I'm also interested in what machine learning uh, could be doing in order to support humans with decisions or to simplify problems, because I think the sheer complexity that's coming down the road generated by machine learning is, is needs solutions. So I want to see if anybody is jumping on that probably not but i i intend to jump on it at some point and start to kind of think about what that might mean and then um i'm also interested in what analytics and automation means in uh, in open ram actually just for something i'm doing so that's my other uh, where i'm hoping there might be some more concrete stories than last year and what about you rob is ai an, an interesting area for you to cover yeah although it's almost 
when you say AI, I increasingly just hear computer or software. Like it, it's part of everything at some level. Sometimes it gets attention when Microsoft puts an AI search assistant out there that seems to have lots of really unresolved personal issues <laughs> that it then has to sort of walk back. Uh, really not quite beta tested enough in-house, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. For me, comparing this, I, I was at the show last year. This will be the 10th anniversary of my first trip to Barcelona for MWC. I had much fewer gray hairs back then. Um, I'm assuming last year it seemed to have gotten most of the way back to what I remember compared to CES last January, which was, I don't want to say ghost town. Let's say it was amazingly efficient in a city that is inherently inefficient because it can't deal with 170,000 people showing up. Um, but yeah, MWC Barcelona, there were some gaps in the show floor. There were some events that, that usually happened that did not. I got a ton out of it. I found it completely worth my while, as, as I do every year. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I am hoping that this new media center, they usually have two Nespresso coffee pod machines. If they could put in a third, it would be great because there's always lines for that. Great. Well, I, I that there are often places that you can be as journalists on some of the main exhibitor stands as well, aren't there? So I know, um, just to do a plug for Nokia, for example, that Nokia has a, a kind of press area, I think, on its stand, and I'm sure lots of other kind of big... They've invited, they have a mock-up of this uh, lunar LTE experiment they're going to do later this year, which I, I wrote about earlier. I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, the, the model of the lunar space probe, which is not a common sight at MWC, in my experience. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, okay. And and in terms of the speakers that will be speaking at, at the event, obviously you'll have had the conference agenda through. Is there anyone that you're looking forward to, to seeing speak? Um, anyone that you think is going to be announcing something particularly interesting that you might want to follow? Rob? Any, any so th there's actually, there's a panel on fixed wireless access. I think it is Tuesday afternoon. Let me double check that. It's in one of the 50 tabs I have open in my copy of Chrome here where I'm looking forward to getting like a non-US perspective on that. Because I've seen how it works here, where we have big problems with broadband not being available or only being available from one company, which is always an invitation to, you know, let's say customer non-friendly policies. Um, you know, how's that working in other countries? Uh, there's certainly been a lot of developments over the last year uh, in relation to space-based wireless systems, whether it's T-Mobile and Starlink, uh, Apple with the satellite SOS on the new iPhone, there's, there's a panel about that later on. In terms of headline speakers, I, it's interesting to me that, unless this got booked very recently, there's no, uh, the Federal Communications Commission is not really represented. Last year, uh, Chairman Jessica Rosenworcel gave a really interesting talk pointing out that, you know, we need to be looking at more mid-band spectrum, basically calling a halt to millimeter wave, calling out, you may remember about this time last year, C-band, 5G was a big issue in the U.S., because the airline industry said fairly late in the game, wait a minute, this is going to interfere with our, our, Still the, not our out. aircraft. And Rosen Russell said, we need to be looking at not just standards for transmitters, but for receivers so we don't have issues like this, which the FCC is now proceeding with the rulemaking along those lines. So that's an interesting omission. And otherwise, I don't know, I need to take another look through the schedule. They do sort of booked up rather late. And I just got asked to spend all of Tuesday morning at this Microsoft event. So that's that's a whole chunk of my schedule that an editor has taken away from me. But it's for a good cause. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Scott? Is there anyone that you're looking forward to seeing speak? I've never 
in the whole time I've been there, gone to a single keynote. Really? Wow. Um, well, I mean, I'm normally doing what I'm doing this year, which is just filthy commercial business. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just just what we do is we, we just do these videos where I go up to their stand and go, what are you talking about the show? And then we record that and stick it up on the site. And I'm just the one who's used to doing it. So I just uh, nominate myself for that. So no, I don't expect to see any of them. I only ever hear about the keynotes through um, other people's reporting. But I'm not that I'm not that mad about keynotes on the whole, to be honest. Um, they're not, you know, they tend to be quite safe. They tend to be quite anodyne. Um, yeah, panels think, are better because there is that back and forth. The keynote often becomes more of just a lecture. Yeah, and people have got an agenda, and you know, and and you'll get someone decent like a regulator. But then in between that, you'll get you'll get people who've paid to be on there, and just bark their marketing talking points at you. Uh, that's normally when I write up the previous speaker and when a sponsored speaker comes on um, at other events that may or may not be run by my parent company. Um, but um, no, I don't have much to contribute there because I never go to them. But I, I, I don't ever remember there being too much huge news. I take Rob's point about um, a, a regulator saying some interesting stuff, but that's never a highlight for me. Okay. So obviously you're kind of running around doing a lot of different things and running between halls. Give us a picture of what your kind of average day looks like. Um, should we start with Charlotte from an analyst perspective? What does your kind of average day at Mobile World Congress look like? Yeah, mine's a route march. Um, uh, it's the only time I get in 25,000 steps. Um, and um, I started to run and I go to see uh, clients and I see people that I want to know some stuff about. Um, or from and um, yeah, just a few, just a, a, a set of meetings. I've got one slot left, so so this this for the two days that I'm there. But I'm very pragmatic. I only go for two days because it's as much as I can handle. So um, yeah, yeah, busy, but just in and in and out as as quickly as I can. <laughs> uh, and it, it it sounds like everything's been organised for you as well, Scott. So it's just going to be from one meeting to the next, the next. Yeah, I mean. The first one I did with telecoms.com, which was 2015, um, the sales guy just went on a tear. And I think I did 10 videos a day for three and a half days. I did 35 videos at the show. Um, and, and I think we, we had a freelance um, videographer and he had a, like a Fitbit type of thing and, and we were doing some miles. One one tip I, I will give, I don't know if this is slightly getting ahead of, of your agenda, but- I know, please do, please do. You know, from, from picking up on, on what Charlotte was just saying, I think a, a real tip I've learned, whether you're an analyst um, or a journalist or whatever, is if you're cramming in all these meetings, um, just be pragmatic about the notes you take and, and write notes for your future self in a week or two's time. So that when you come back to them and you wanna maybe turn it into a story or use it as part of some writing that you're doing, that your, your notes from, from two weeks ago will be intelligible. I tend to just write bullets and just the essence of what people say. Um, and you just want to be able to say, like, as a journalist, you just want to be able to write a quick 300 word piece going, you know, we met with Acme widgets, they reckon 5G widgets are the way forward. And this is why, um, uh, let's see. Um, but as long as you've just got a little bit of that and, and maybe even a quote, then you've got something to work with because you can't expect to use a fraction of what you're doing at the time because you're, you're just running, as Charlotte said, from one thing to another. So, yeah. Just take good, condensed, intelligible notes for yourself so that you can pick up on further down the line would be my top tip. What about you, Rob? What would be your top tip? 
Um, so I'm also a big believer in taking notes you can use later on. I take all my notes on my laptop, my phone, they're all synced around. So I, I can actually read them. Whereas my handwriting, it, it just gets worse and worse every year. Um, it's almost like I'm writing with my foot. So uh, my tip would be, you know, remember that the, and this is more to people who have been to CES, but maybe gone to their first MWC, it is much more efficient. The FIRA itself, there are moving walkways connecting you from one hall to the other. You can get from hall one to hall five in much less time than you would think. Take the Metro everywhere. It's it's fast. It's on time. I'm pretty sure they're still giving us a transit pass for the duration of the week. Much better than dealing with a cab. So much cheaper. And, and they, they have delicious sandwich shops in Metro Station. So you can get your uh, your ham sandwich whenever you would like, which is always a, a real pleasure of going to Spain. Like a nice ham sandwich. <laughs> Any tips that you would share, Charlotte? Um, oh, and so my so what I did find difficult last year was finding some of the meeting rooms because they are not where you think they are, um, and um, so so having people's um, mobile numbers because so that they can kind of guide you in very useful. <laughs> Definitely, that's a that's a, a massive top tip. Always get your mobile numbers from everyone. And what about for marketers or brands going to the show who want to cut through the noise and get their story heard any kind of tips for them that's a, that's a good luck sorry go ahead Charlotte <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was going to say that's a really interesting question I, I um, um no it's not something I ever think about because I have my head down walking um yeah no don't think I have anything on that <laughs> So the, the advice I would give would be, first of all, invent a time machine and then go back two months and don't pitch journalists on meetings of the first day of the show. I, I think I'm, I'm there from I get in Saturday afternoon. I fly out Thursday morning. So I have more free time on Wednesday and Tuesday than I do on Monday. This is also true of CES where everyone thinks, oh, we've got to squeeze in a meeting on the first full day of the show. No, you don't. Everyone's trying to do that. And there's only a finite amount of time. So. Think about where a journalist is going to have some free time. Like what one thing I wish more people would do, especially in CES in Las Vegas, which has pretty bad public transit, give journalists a ride from the airport. It's guaranteed, you know, single client time. You've monopolized our attention. You solve a travel problem for us. Not as big of a deal in Barcelona, where there is, of course, the subway station right underneath the uh, right around the corner from where you pick up your MWC badge, as I recall. Right. That's a great tip. Definitely. I, yeah, there's lots of um, lots of things that we can take take from that for sure. Um, so I'm sure there are probably things that frustrate you about the show or about the whole experience around the show. Um, yeah. What is it that people could avoid doing that would annoy you? Scott, do you want to kick off? Well, what annoyed me last year was having these little students telling me that I got put my mask over my face the whole time um that was and i'm assuming that spain's finally got the memo that, that we've moved on now um but but that caused me stress last year um i think they've i think they've sort of made it a bit simpler bureaucratically to get in and out um so so good for them on that i mean you know one, one annoyance that you know rob points out that public walkway which is very handy but that can get really rammed and everyone's always in more of a hurry than everyone else. Um, the other thing I'd say to people, and this is a mistake I always make, is just pace yourself a bit uh, in terms of the evenings I'm talking about here. 
um you know I, i'm i'm arriving on saturday and there have been many times in the past where by the time it started i'm completely knackered already um so yeah pace yourself i think my top tip for that is i actually give myself monday off so if i'm out over the weekend then monday off and then i'm back on top form for tuesday and wednesday and there's and we've got elena we've got a little sort of trade secret on on wednesday where journalists prs and journalists uh telco prs and journalists get together um in town so that's always good fun so you want to have some gas left in the tank for wednesday so as you can tell the main reason for me going to my old congress is to get pissed in the evening <laughs> that, that's where lots of the business that's been known to happen in ces too <laughs> yeah um well that actually kind of leads itself into quite a good question which is which of the networking events that you're most looking forward to um is it is it the kind of glomo awards event or the is it the um events which are just more kind of customer events uh drinks on the stand what is it that you quite look, look forward to from a social perspective i guess i am so sad i don't go to any of them that is that i've just realized how sad Sad that is. There was a couple that I used to go to, and I don't anymore. Um, I'm just going out out to dinner with with mates. Really, God, I got to that stage in my life. Nice, quiet. It's allowed. <laughs> I'll put I'll put in a self interested plug. The Mobile Ecosystem Forum has got a good program Sunday. Even though I'm I'm a speaker on one of the panels, um, the, they get together a good bunch of telco types. They they know how to hire good caterers. I can attest to that. Um, and apparently it's in some beautiful building by the waterfront. Uh, I also always go to, and this is also true at CES, the showstoppers and Pepcom receptions where a PR shop gets a bunch of companies to exhibit, uh, you know, rents out tables. They have good food and drinks for the journalists and analysts showing up. So it solves multiple problems. The small companies want to get some attention and exposure that it's hard to find on the broader show floor. Journalists, we got to eat at some point, and we all get to sort of compare notes and chill out a little bit at the end of the day. That's Monday and Tuesday, sorry, Sunday and Monday, respectively. Yeah. Yeah, I think most of the social events I go to, apart from the one that I mentioned earlier on the Wednesday, uh, which is very informal, um, tend to be run by operators. Um, so there's stuff, there's, there's a couple of things I could go to Monday and Tuesday um, for that. I suppose I, I could, I'd ask them to all get together and coordinate so that we can just flip mm. from one thing to another. Um, but yeah, for for a sort of telecoms trade journalist like me, um, there it, it seems to be mainly the operator. The, the big kit vendors used to do a lot more. I was I was just lamenting like twenty years ago, Ericsson would have people on super yachts in on the Côte d'Azur and that sort of thing. Um, they've all gone a bit quiet in terms of their spend on partying, which is probably a shame. But then you know perhaps not um so yeah um I, i'll certainly have stuff i'll have opportunities I'll, I'll actually have to turn stuff down to get the aforementioned night's nice kip on monday yeah well, your liver will be grateful <laughs> yeah how about the four years from now event do you do you go to that do you see no. that one no never heard of it sometimes uh, i went there again kind of three years ago this didn't happen four years ago um you know it is off-site but not super far off-site right is it still at the the old fira yeah i think so yeah okay yeah it sort of depends like i may be able to do that actually since i had one appointment uh full out of my calendar wednesday so that gives me a block of time where i'm sort of left to my own devices so i might do that thanks for the suggestion 
problem. <laughs> um, okay, well, and then looking beyond Mobile World Congress then, um, so when you get back and hopefully you haven't picked up a bug and you're not too tired, wh which event will you be going to after Mobile World Congress? What's the next one on your radar? The very next one I have, um, there's an airline, a JSX, a regional airline in the US. They're the first airline to deploy Starlink for their in-flight Wi-Fi. And they're having a sort of test flight event for journalists at uh, in Dallas, Texas, the Tuesday after I get back. So I'm flying down for that. It'll be really interesting. Uh, and then because I really don't learn from experience, the Friday after I get back, I'm flying back to Texas to Austin for South by Southwest, which is another sort of networking uh, talk fest boondoggle. Uh, and then after that, I have, the next trip I have is spring break with my family at the end of uh, the end of March, because I'm going to need some time to sleep off both those events. Definitely. Oh, you can look, look forward to that for sure. Um, how about you, Charlotte? Where are you off to next after Mobile World Congress? Uh, so, so my aim is isn't really not to go anywhere. But um, I, uh, myself and Dean were talking about some six G events, so uh, that's possible. I, I have to say that event-wise, I like I only like things which are really information dense because otherwise, you know, you can you can waste a lot of time watching other people talk on PowerPoint. So, so the, the, I think uh, the, there might be something in six G coming up in a couple of months. I might go to. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, sorry. Yeah, I, I know about I know about that. I might, I might see you there, Charlotte. Um, I tend to the only things that are, that tend to be permanent sort of annual fixtures for me are the big yeah, telecoms that comes owned by Informer, and the biggest Informer telecoms show, apart from Africa Com, um, is now being branded Network X, which is a sort of combination of the mobile and the fixed line side of things. Um, so that under that name that existed for the first time last year, I'll certainly go to that this year. And then I tend to go to Digital Transformation World, which is the um, TM Forums event. And they just moved it for the first time last year to Copenhagen. And it's pretty good. The, the actual venue was definitely better. Copenhagen was pretty cool. Me and Ian got taken on a tour by John Strand, who's very proud of his country. So we got the full uh, Copenhagen experience with him. That's a great um, city. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It's, it reminded me a lot of Amsterdam. I've never been there before. Certainly the 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 mad cyclists are quite Amsterdam-y. Um, but yeah, no, I really liked it. It's, it's really, it's, it's so clean and just organised. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. So those are the only two that are definite, but um, there may be other informer events. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm aware of that 6G thing as well. So let's see. And um, Scott, will you be doing your podcast at the show as well? So we can listen in on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm. We're going to be doing it at three o'clock on the Wednesday. We don't know where. It's always a sort of mad scramble and we just have to set up somewhere. I might sort of simplify it. You're not going to be there this year, are you, Lena? No, no, no. Uh, otherwise, I would otherwise, love to yeah, otherwise you would definitely have mm -hmm. uh, had an open invitation. But um, when, I might not bother trying to get, um, other people just because there's so many moving parts if it's someone like you who I know uh, I can just ring you up and go year round but if it's like some exec uh, company where they're, they've got important stuff to do it all just gets really complicated I'm not saying you don't have important stuff to do by the way <laughs> no, <okay. laughs> um, but, uh, yeah I think I might just make it us uh, maybe one or two Omdia analysts if they're about as they're part of the family but it'd just be me and Ian maybe Andrew as well that'll be it and do you know when it will be going live 
in terms of when it will be on Spotify? Are you going to wait until you're back? Or are you yeah, to... we'll probably it'll either be up the Friday of that week or the Monday after, okay. depending on depending on how whether Pierre gets it over to me and and whether I whether I have the will to do anything with it on the Friday. Okay, well we'll we'll take a look, make sure we listen. And what about you, Rob and, and Charlotte? Where can we um, look for your um, writing and make sure that we're doing our best to promote it as well? Uh, after you, Charlotte. Oh, uh, well, so I, yeah, I publish into um, a couple of analyst firms, mostly uh, STL partners. Um, otherwise, uh, I have my own clients. So, um, but there's been, sometimes I get asked to write things. If people want to pay me, I, I do write for other publications, but but I'm mostly fairly exclusive with STL, uh, sometimes with Elondia as well, have written recently for them. So um, yeah, I'm around and about sometimes. <laughs> so as a freelancer, I'll be wearing multiple hats. I'll be definitely following a bunch of different stories for PC Mag, of interesting things as I as I run into them. I'm actually doing some work for light reading as well. So I, that's that's where that almost four hour Microsoft session uh, Tuesday that is eating up my schedule. My, so you my have Phil Harvey there. to thank for that, do you? Um, it's Mike Dano's fault, actually. But yes, okay. I'm like, I, I, I reserve the right to round up on my invoice for this. <laughs> um, and yeah, well, I haven't specifically identified something that would work for a fast company story. There may be a sort of broader trend that emerges from it. I always do try to leave a little bit of time to just sort of wander around, fill my notebook and see what sort of patterns emerge that strike me as, hey, this is a broader story. Even if it's something I write when I get home, you know, at, after I get home and pass out and then finally get my head back into Eastern time. Right. Well, look, have a brilliant show. I really hope it, it goes well. I hope you have a safe flight over there and that you don't come back too exhausted um enjoy it have a glass of vino for me <laughs> great well um that's it Th thank you so much to um our panelists scott charlotte and rob thank you to you the listeners um and thanks to our team here at liberty a little shout out to rick judge who i know rob knows well who actually pulls all the audio together for us um and he makes it sound so much better than it would it would do without all his um, gadgetry. So, so thanks, Rick. And to all the listeners who are going to Mobile World Congress, have a brilliant time. Um, hope you enjoy the tapas, enjoy the red wine, um, and enjoy the parties. And we'll look forward to circling back with everyone once you all get back. Um, just a quick reminder to everyone who listens just to share the, the podcast, to, to like it as well. That, that really helps. Um, and yeah, thank you very much and, and safe travels to Barcelona. Bye.